Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. And I spotted this shirt and I read Jesus and everything. And I'm going like, oh, that, that's cool. But I'm thinking, hmm, probably something a little more to it than what I'm seeing. And Nicole happened to be coming by, and so I just asked her, I said, uh, that shirt there, Jesus everything, like, what's the significance? And she said, oh, that's Jesus over everything. I saw it. And I couldn't unsee it after that point. I mean, it was one of those true, like it was a aha moment for me. And I'm hoping that there is an aha moment for each and every one of us in this new series. And it's gonna be about way more than what's just on a shirt. But when we discover Jesus over everything and the impact that that can have on our lives, The theme to the book of Colossians happens to be Jesus over everything. So that's definitely our go-to place and where we're heading. In fact, if you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask that you would take it right now and um, open it up to the book of Colossians. Now, if you don't have a paper Bible with you, but you've got a Bible app on your phone, would you grab your phone, please, and open it up to the book of Colossians? There's two reasons I really would ask you to do that. The first one is just to be able to read along with me in just a moment to see some pretty cool and amazing things about Jesus, and I think that'll be helpful. The other reason, though, is I want you to bookmark this because I'm hoping, I'm asking that you're going to go back this week and begin to read in Colossians. Now, there's only four chapters to the entire book, so I mean, you could do it in a sitting, or you might just choose to read a chapter each week as we kind of open it up more and more as we go through it over these next several weeks together. One other value add, if you'd like to this Jesus Over Everything series, is that we've got discussion groups that go on each week. They take place either online or in person. You can use the QR code in front of you, go to groups, and you can find one of those. We'd love to have you participate with us in that as well. Now, when you come to the book of Colossians, there's a couple of things that you might find helpful, I hope a little bit interesting as well. For example... Most Bible scholars, high, high percentage, consider Colossians to be the most Christ-centered, that is the most Jesus-centered book in all of the Bible. Like Paul's strategy was this, get Jesus right. Because if you get Jesus right, you're going to be able to figure out the other things that you need to along the way. It's kind of like what we're told about, you know, discovering counterfeits. They teach us that the counterfeiters, those that look for counterfeit money, they become experts in the real thing. And when they know the real thing so well, they're able to pick up on the other counterfeits that come on along the way. Same thing Paul was doing here with Jesus. Interestingly, this high percentage of Bible scholars also say that Colossians is the most profound book or the profound, most profound writing of all of Paul's writings, which is saying something. And some of you are already thinking this, if Colossians is the most profound book, then like, I'm not going there. Like, you know what? I'm not ready for for that. I mean, this is going to be like way over my head. And actually, it could be, it's just the opposite. 
Colossians is written for Joe and Jane Average. You see, Colossae, hence the name of the book, the Church of Colossians. So Colossae, the city at one time had been a large, thriving metropolitan area, but it wasn't right now. I mean, it was like, it was worse than a Rust Belt city in the worst of the Rust Belt conditions. Economically, didn't have anything anymore. Educationally, didn't have anything anymore that was going on. It was like, meh, when it came to cities in that day. In fact, Paul had never been there. Paul didn't start this church. The Apostle Paul didn't know this, the, you know, any of the people that were in that church. And I think this is really um, significant for us because Paul, when he wrote this book, couldn't go back to say, hey, you remember when I was there? Remember when I taught you this and build upon other things? Because he'd never been there. He had to keep it like super fundamental. Keep it like his heart for these people that he wished he could get to know, but he's never had the opportunity to, the heart of God that way. Kind of like if Paul were to write a letter to the church of Fox River in Waukesha. He didn't know us, but there's some things that for sure he'd want us to know to help us in our faith that way. See, Paul understood that our faith is not going to exceed our knowledge. Here's what I mean by that. To whatever degree that you know about Jesus, your faith can rise to that level, but it's not gonna go beyond it. Most of us in here know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Most of us know that Jesus resurrected on the third day. And our faith can rise to that level and it can be life-changing. And I can speak for us. Like, it has been life-changing for us. What Paul wants us to know is that there is so much more to know, to discover about Jesus and it causes our faith to go way beyond what what even it could be right now. So, if you have the Bible open, I'm gonna pick it up in verse 15 and take us through verse 20. I'm just gonna substitute the name Jesus for the personal pronouns that refer to Jesus in here. Verse 15. Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross. (laughs) Can I just get like a wow when it comes to Jesus there? And in fact, 20 different times, uh, excuse me, a dozen different times, Jesus is referenced there, bringing out seven powerful truths that all get summarized in these words. Really, it is Jesus over 
everything. Now let's just say it together once, ready? It is Jesus over everything, for sure. With regards to these truths, let's just go back and review them real quickly. Maybe open up just a little bit more about what is being said there. If you want to take a note or two along the way in your Bible or um, on whatever other device that you're using that way. First thing of these seven amazing things about Jesus, one, is that Jesus is the visible of the invisible. He's the visible of the invisible God. In fact, when Jesus' disciples were interacting with him, and this is well into their time they spent with him, they said, Jesus, can we just ask one special favor of you? Could you show us God? Could we just see God? And Jesus looked at him and said, friends. He goes, guys, gals. He goes like, hear me. Anyone that has seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the visible of the invisible God. Next, we see that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Now, this could get a little confusing, so we've got to be really clear about this. Jesus isn't the firstborn of creation. That is, the first that was created, and then everything comes after him. He's the firstborn over all creation. The word there is protos, tokos. And it has both time and um, value or supremacy here. In other words, Jesus is before, he's first, he's before creation, which makes sense, right? Creator before creation. But he's also the supreme over it all. And this kind of gets opened up in the next two realizations about Jesus. The third being this, that Jesus himself is the creator. Jesus is the one that called something out of nothing called the universe, the galaxies, the creator of planets, and down to the microscopic intricacies of our human body and all of the wonders that make that function, you find Jesus there. Not only of the physical realm, but also of the angelic as well, things visible and invisible. And Jesus, as the creator, is the one who continues it's not that he just made it and stepped back, but it says that in Jesus, all things hold together. In other words, our cosmos today would be utter chaos if it were not for the ongoing presence of Jesus in that. Number four, we see that Jesus is the head of the church, which would mean this. Any church without following Jesus it's like, it's just dead, right? Because it's like a body without a head. The church needs Jesus as its head and to be looking to him in that. And when they do, that church becomes a functioning body of his. Literally, we are the hands, we are the feet of Jesus under his direction as we follow after him. That just kind of like opens up the whole church and what should be with it. Fifth thing we read about Jesus was this, that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Now, he's not the first one to walk out of a tomb. In fact, he called out a friend of his at one time, Lazarus, he said, you know, from the dead. Dead three days, he said, Lazarus, come on out. And Lazarus rose from the dead and came out. Other people had resurrected. We have those in, um, histories in the Bible. 
But the difference was, everybody else was more like a resuscitation. In other words, Lazarus rose from the dead, but he's going to die again. Jesus, as the protos, tokos, in the resurrection is, he was the first to rise with a glorified body, showing us this is what you have to look forward to. And he is not only first in time, but he's the first over. He is the one that brings the resurrection to each and every one of us as well. Kind of pulls it together in number six that would say this, that in Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. In other words, there is nothing over Jesus. It's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Nothing is over Jesus. And then to wrap up this understanding of Jesus and the magnificence that we've seen so far, it's this personal impact. It's through Jesus that God reconciled us to him. Reconciliation, it's way more than forgiveness. It's so important to be forgiven of our sin. But to reconcile means to take a relationship that is broken, dysfunctional, it's going nowhere, and neither party is able to come together in peace. To be reconciled means you have a whole, healthy, functioning, growing relationship. And that's what Jesus did. It is truly Jesus over everything. And when you take that, that one single truth now, Jesus over everything, and you go, so what? And we can take the truth of Jesus over everything and make it into a so what stone. A large so what. Jesus over everything, so what? And if you could take that stone and drop it into the pool of life, in the pool of our life, it is going to cause ripples that touch every single edge of us, all the areas of our life. For example, when you understand Jesus for who he is over everything, it's gonna affect how you worship Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth and people saw a glimpse of him, whether it was through a miracle, whether it was through a teaching of his, and they go like, oh, that's, I mean, it was an aha who Jesus was. They were drawn to him and to worship at his feet. Knowing what we know about Jesus right now, I mean, we will not be the same as we worship him. But that's not the only so what ripple that comes out from it. I think there's way more. In fact, most of the ripples that come from the so what of Jesus over everything are the daily effects that it can have in our life. Now, Paul would be the first one to attest to this. He'd say, I need Jesus over everything. I need to be reminded of this every single day and especially today, he'd say. And the reason that we would say, these would be Paul's words if he were standing here today, would he be, he would tell us this. He would say, I have been in prison now for years. And the truth of the matter is this, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get out of prison again. Every single day, I am literally chained to somebody. He goes like, this is no 
fun. I know that I'm going to appear before Caesar. And Caesar is, at a whim, going to do this or going to do this. And I have no idea of what he is going to do when I stand before him. And with that circumstance, that overwhelming circumstance that was in his life, Paul could still say earnestly, but I thank God today. How can a person do that? Now, I think sometimes we just make Paul into be a super saint. We scrub him of his humanity and we go like, he's nothing like us. And we do such a disservice to Paul and to us if you scrub him of his humanity. If you think that Paul was like, oh, happy day he was singing because he gets to be in prison again today. I just want to ask you the question. How many of you here would choose to be in prison if you could today? Like, I want a life sentence. Sign me up. Any volunteers? Like, go like that? No. To think that Paul didn't long to be free, to be able to go out to the churches that he'd started and to be able to help them, to interact with his friends, to be able to have the freedom to be able to eat what he wanted to, even to make a living rather than being, you know, just whatever you got is what you get. You had no control over your life whatsoever. To think that he didn't long to go out and experience adventure again, like for the last 20 years that he had done his life. That's why Paul said this. He, when he wrote to church, he said, would you pray for me? Would you pray for God's grace in my life today? But each day, as he reminded himself, but it's still Jesus over everything, it was the life-changing, sustaining hope and help that he needed. It was a grace feeder within him. And that brings us right back to us and to today. Because one of the things that we have in common with Paul, fortunately we're not in physical prison, but many of us are in a prison of our or somebody else's making, and we're held prisoner. Or every one of us in here have something hanging over us, something that is overwhelming in our lives. Something that has the potential to steal our joy and to cause us to have an extreme frustration in our lives. For example, maybe today it has to do with work. And work is just overwhelming to you. It's crushing. Maybe it's a relationship that you got going on in your life. Things aren't going well, or there's somebody, something, it is just so badly broken that it just dominates your thoughts throughout the whole day. Sometimes it's a fear that can creep in. And with it comes worry, and there's an anxiety that's with us. Some here are battling cancer. And the truth be told is you don't look for a better future. You are looking to be able to get through today and the difficulties of it and the fear that cancer or whatever disease it is that you or your loved one is wrestling with, it is an overwhelming burden that you are carrying. It could be an addiction of some sort, something that is owning us that we just can't get the best of, but it gets the best of us. And we loathe ourselves because of that which is over us. It's something that's got us stressed to the max. It could be school-related. It may be other-related. But everybody's got something. I will acknowledge that I'm an everybody. And if you were to ask me, well, what is a guy in your life that you find overwhelming 
so overwhelming I couldn't even spell it right. I would have to confess that it can be fear. Fear can be something that I feel like it is hanging over my head and it is a crushing weight. Now we all experience fear a little bit different. So if you're reading this and going like, well, what does that mean to you? It doesn't mean to me like I'm fearful of dying or I'm fearful of bodily harm. Somebody hurting me, me being hurt in some way. Those are not fears that I wrestle with. But there is a fear that I carry with me and it can just literally choke the life out of me. It's a fear of becoming insignificant, of becoming ineffective. Sometimes it's a fear of losing something that I dearly love. And I see it slipping away. The fear of the future. And this fear, when it comes into my life, I don't have to wonder, like, Am I experiencing fear? This fear, to me, it sits right here and I feel that I could physically just vomit. It would cause my heart to race. I mean, it affects sleep. Maybe the biggest factor to me is it drains from me my optimism. And for anybody that knows me, you hang around me for a little bit, it's like, I'm the eternal optimist. Like, I will, I will see the best in everything. I'm accused not only of having rose-colored glasses, but I'm like, I got dark rose-colored glasses. You know, that, you mean, that, that's just a part of the gifting that God has given to me. But when fear overtakes me, zero. It is woe is me, and there is nothing that I'm seeing good in front of it because of this that's in my life. Fear is over me. And on a good day, I'm in control of it. But there's some days that aren't good days. And fear overwhelms me. And you might not know that. I don't think, and I can put on a great cover for it. But then you go home. And I remember, um, remember going home and you know, Denise is like, whoa, what is bothering you? And I just began to share some of the things, you know, the concerns you know, that I had that way. And I remember her then saying to me, she goes like, wow. She goes like, wow. So where is Jesus in this? And I began thinking. And the first thing I thought was not, God, thank you for this insightful woman. Didn't even cross my mind. I'm like, Wait, I'm looking for somebody to come down and wallow in the pity party with me. I'm like, where's Jesus in this? And I don't think she used these words, but here's what I heard. Wow, those fears are big, aren't they? And here's your Jesus. Like, your Jesus is pretty small compared to these fears in your life. That's what I heard. So I thought, why don't I share some of this same love today? <laughs> why don't I share, like, believer to believer, friend to friend, like, just like we were having a conversation. And just to ask this question, 
So what is it in your life that you've allowed to make Jesus small? This is over Jesus in your life. And then to call us up. Do you know what the truth is? Jesus is way bigger than what we're making him. In fact, Jesus can be over. And for me, let's put this in here. Jesus can be over. The fears that I have in my life. And I began to discover that. And as we get called up to this today, I thought, very important that we're like, you know, really specific. So let's do this together, if you would, please. If, if you haven't had your phone with you, grab it real quick. Grab your phone and open up your camera. And I just want you to focus up on the screen right there, little QR that's up there. And would you just quick answer this question? We're just kind of like, so where do we as a room sit today? This will only take you a second. And we're not going to track you, so you don't have to worry about that. But what is the one thing that you find most challenging to put Jesus over in your life right now? And I'll bet for all of us, there's something that's there. Let's just wait in for just a second. It'll only take you a second to do that. Well, you are. Jesus over everything is not an idea. Because if it's an idea, it's, you're going to leave it here probably when you leave here. But if, when you understand Jesus as a person and who he is and how he can be over everything, even in the times, like Paul, when you're in prison and you may not be feeling it, or the last um, few weeks, about six weeks ago, I had a friend who called me up and he just shared with me, he goes like, hey, my brother just went into the hospital. You know, he's got COVID. It is just deep within his lungs and he's not doing good. Would you pray with me? I really value my friend. So like, for sure, every day I began praying, praying with my friend, checking up on him, checking how his brother was doing, the ups and the downs of that. For three weeks, I prayed. God, would you heal? Would you heal? Would you heal? Would you heal? And a little more than three weeks later, I got the call. Got the call from my friend. And he said, my brother died. And then the next words that came out of his mouth, I want to just be really sensitive, of course, with this. He said, guy, this wasn't the answer that I thought that we were praying for. But he said, here's what I know for sure. He said, I know that my brother today, and he named it, I know that my brother is with Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. And that Jesus is over death. Now the news had hit me hard, but when he said that, I just began thinking, you know, someday, guy, you are going to die. And I can tell you today, everybody is listening. Someday you are going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church and got this hope for today? Like, yeah, someday I'm going to die. Now, I think all of us hope the same thing. Hope it's a long ways off. I hope there's a lot of fulfillment that comes in between with that. I hope it's not a suffering process that's in the end that way. But we're all going to die. And knowing that, and knowing that Jesus is going to be over death, you know what? 
that changed everything. And when you have Jesus over death, when you have Jesus, that is, the visible of the invisible, the firstborn over all creation, the creator, the head of the church, the firstborn of the dead. You have the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells. You have the one who has reconciled you to God and brought you into a relation with him. When you have Jesus over everything in your life, even in the worst, Jesus is a difference maker. Even when we face what we're facing, and what's some that we face? Let's check this out. Fear, future, health, relationships. Like, you see how we're together in this? In each of those and in all of the specificity of this now, Jesus wants to be over that. So, right now, let's do this. Let's imagine us holding this sign. If you were holding this sign today, what would you want to write here? Actually, got, you got the opportunity later. We've got photo ops for this. It's pretty powerful, actually. But what would you put in here? You've heard me say, I would put this. But what would you put? And I want you to read into this. Here's what I've got. And I hope you're not here with a little Jesus today, but you have the Jesus who is over this that seems so big until it came under all of this. And going into this week, we're gonna go into it with this. Thank you, Jesus, that today you are over my fear. This is a game changer for me. And Monday, Thank you, Jesus, that you are over. And Tuesday, when you face that same overwhelming circumstance, we'll say, Jesus, thank you that you are over. And when you have Jesus over everything, you are going to experience hope. You are gonna have your faith fed. And you are going to see it manifest itself in greater love that exudes from you. That's what Jesus over everything's gonna do. It's gonna do it in your life as you come to Jesus, the one who is over everything. So let's, with a prayer of commitment before we take communion together, take our, whatever it is, overwhelming circumstance, and let's put it under Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are over. Please name it. Jesus, you are over. Jesus, you are over. Thank you, Jesus, you are over my fear, my specific fears, and that you give me hope, help, grace. Help me to live that truth today. Help me live that truth tomorrow. pray this in your name. And everybody in agreement said. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. 
Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.